You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Greedy with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Good folks coming on the program today. We got Paul Feinbaum in just a few minutes. We got Damian Woody today. We got Moose Johnston. First time we've talked to Moose in a long time. He'll be with me in a half hour. Question of the day is a good one. Which team that is currently outside the top four do you believe should get in? Has the best chance of getting in? We got AM up there. We got Florida up there because they're not done. We've got Cincinnati up there, and we've got Iowa State. That's the question of the day. It's on my Twitter page, at ESPN Grady. Get in there and cast your vote. But there's only one place to begin. No change in the top four of the Caldwell playoff rankings. It seems as if some teams are being punished for not playing football games, and some teams are not. Write down the date, December 15th, 2020, on some sheet of paper. And make a little notation next to it. That was the day college football became figure skating. College football became gymnastics. College football became something that is judged by people watching rather than decided by people on the field. What happened last night was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it is the best illustration yet of the complete fallacy That is the system by which they choose the teams to play in the college football playoff. Now, I love it. I'm a talk show host. So I've been saying for 20 years, I'm in the interesting business. I need interesting things to happen. And nothing more interesting could happen than what happened in college football last night, which is 13 people went into a room, decided which teams they like, voted for them in that order, and so it should be written, so let it be done. The problem is their opinions mean everything in the sport. Everything. I'm going to give you an indication, an illustration of my own, of just how ridiculous that would be if we applied it in any other sport. Here we go. Go. Here are my top five teams in the National Football League. These are the five teams I think are the best teams in the NFL. This is just my opinion. Number one is Kansas City. Number two is the Rams. Number three is the Saints. Number four is Buffalo. And number five is Green Bay. That's my opinion. You may agree or disagree. At the end of the day, what the hell difference does it make? But imagine if we decided we're going to seed the playoffs based on my opinion. Even I wouldn't think that was a good idea. Because what the hell does my opinion matter? So these people went into a room yesterday and just decided who they like because there is zero logical sense behind any of the decisions they made. None of it can be defended. If you watched Gary Barta with Reese Davis after the announcement was made yesterday, he might as well have just said, you know what, Reese? This is who we like. We just think Florida's good. Yeah, they played. They lost. Lost a game they shouldn't have. Threw a shoe. Happens. We still think they're better than these other teams. And our opinion is the only thing they asked us for. Because there is a flaw in the entire system, which is that these people are asked, they are tasked with choosing the four best teams in the country when it is obviously 
the stupidest way to do something. I've been screaming this since the first year of Mike and Mike, that when it comes to March Madness, and now it applies to this, you have to pick the most deserving teams because that can be based on something rather than just people's opinion. We're just taking people's opinion now and choosing the teams that are going to play for the championship based on, ah, we think they're good. Uh, look, at the end of the day, they might as well have just said this. We just think Florida is better than Cincinnati. We don't need to justify it. It's not our job to justify it. It's our job to tell you what we think. So I don't blame them from that respect because that really is the only job they've been given to do. So it just shows you that that's where the flaw is in all of this. People are complaining about what's going on at the very top. I'm talking about what's going on down at the bottom. How does a school like Cincinnati not play and get moved down the list when Ohio State has played five games? They never budge. They never move. Why? Because the committee thinks they're better. Again, I don't have a problem with that. I think so, too. If Ohio State played Cincinnati right now in a neutral field, Ohio State would be a double-digit favorite. So if that's the whole criteria, fine. But then what are we going through the exercise? I mean, at some point, you might as well just put them out there on the 50-yard line and let them do the bench press. It's become like the combine. So yesterday was the day this whole thing officially became figure skating. Like, just let them play and then let these 13 people write down a little score. Oh, the Russian judge says he got a 6.0. Well, we're done here. It's gymnastics. It's Mary Lou Retton, whoever the more appropriate... (laughs) But it's a, it's a very dated reference, isn't it? Mary Lou Retton is a very long time ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That th- last night is the night that it, more than any other time, it just became ridiculous because none of it is defensible. You can't defend practically anything they did yesterday. I did like one thing that Kirk Herbstreit said. I watched that entire program last night on ESPN, and there was something Herbie said that I really like. Because when people are talking about Ohio State, look, Herbie's in a no-win situation because anything he says about Ohio State, people, some people are going to suggest that he's just taking up for them because he went there and played for them, obviously. That, A, I know him well enough to know that isn't what he does. I think at times he bends over backwards not to. But more to the point, what he said is a 1,000% right. So the idea that Ohio State is getting treatment that no one else would get based on how few games they've played is actually not right. As Herbie points out, there are two other programs that would get the same exact treatment. I don't want to say it's a different set of rules, but it's a different perception based on the equity that Alabama and Nick Saban, what Urban Meyer and now Ryan Day has done at Ohio State, and what Dabo Sweeney has created at Clemson, because Ohio State was 1-0, and and the AP had them at number three in the country. So there's a, a consensus that they're an elite team. It just comes down to... The amount of games. But if Clemson and Alabama had that same scenario, they would also be getting that benefit. 100% right. Herbie is 100% right in saying that, and no one else would. And part of that is the equity that they've built up, the, the, the credibility and reputation their programs have built up. Does that make sense? Yes. Is it the way they should choose who gets to play for the championship? Obviously not. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the kids who are out there this year busting their behinds in a pandemic to play. But I get it. I understand that they're doing it, and so that's what we have. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let me bring in Paul Feinbaum on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line, because there's no one I love talking about with this stuff more than with my buddy Paul Feinbaum. Hello again, Paul. Good day, Greeny, and uh, you are off and running. I like what you said there. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, look, are, are we, are we, is this gymnastics? 
Like, are, do we just have 13 people in a room just grading them based upon, I think this one is better, this one stuck the dismount, so I, I, that's, that's who I'm going to vote for ahead of this one just based on liking them? I get that their job is to make decisions that have a degree of subjectivity to them. I understand that. But you can't just throw out completely what they've actually done on the field, can you? Yeah, but they do. I, I remember a couple of years ago when, when UCF was claiming it, it had won the national championship. I was at the, at the national championship around a lot of those people at a little bit of a buffet lunch, and they were just screaming about the, the nerve of UCF. Greeny, the, these guys, and occasionally there's a woman, are, are, just, are, are, are what you run into in every small town and big town in America at the local country club. It's the good old boys running the show, and they don't like interlopers. And we, we saw that with UCF. And we certainly saw that with Cincinnati last night. I'm not. I don't know if Cincinnati really deserves to be on the same field with with Alabama or, or Ohio State, but I'd like to see it uh, as opposed to just plucking uh, one of the usual suspects out of the crowd. And and, and you know the, the college football cognoscenti were right to to be outraged at, at the way Florida was treated versus Cincinnati. Paul Feinbaum, with me here. So so let's let me go to the Florida thing. I tried to bounce this off both you and Desmond this morning on TV. You weren't buying, and Desmond just shouted me down. So let me try again, which is to say the one thing, the one defense of not dropping Florida more than they did that I can see that makes sense is that at least they played. The ACC cleared the deck for their two teams, which I'm not criticizing, but they made sure, they made darn sure in that conference that neither Clemson nor Notre Dame was going to have a shoe-throwing incident that was going to cost them a chance to play for the national championship. And the SEC, at least they went out there and played a game. And I understand not wanting to penalize them too much for at least going out there and playing a game this past weekend. Are you giving me any credence on that argument? I will. And and, there, and, and it was pointed out uh, this morning about Kyle Pitts not playing, and that was a mistake by Dan Moe. And I, I think what hurt Florida – wasn't so much wasn't it so much the loss and the shoot the shoot throwing. It was Dan Mullen after the game, uh, being his typical Dan Mullen self, uh, finding something to to complain about. Uh, in in the end, it probably won't matter. I mean, it, people fail to understand, and you know, hope my bosses and your, your your bosses in particular, since you're a little bit higher up the food chain, you know, aren't listening right now, but. Tuesday night is a television show. It doesn't really mean very much, Greeny. It's fun. It's entertaining. It builds up uh, the excitement for next week uh, and, and next Sunday's release. But you know, I, I've seen them do some crazy things on that mix of the last show. They 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 moved Baylor up a couple of years ago, only to send them right back down. Uh, I think last night they were at least giving Florida uh, a gasp of a chance. Uh, to get in with a win over Alabama, and it would be significant. Uh, you know, it's not like you know we're thinking about throwing uh, A and M in there with a twenty-eight point loss to Alabama. Uh, you know, you could argue, well, if, if somebody beats Alabama, which doesn't look like anyone's even come, nobody, no one's even come close to, they they probably deserve a shot at being considered. Right to be considered, and and so uh, to your point, these Tuesday nights. They're very good for the sport. They're very good for the network. They're very entertaining. They're very good for shows like yours and mine. But the one that matters, obviously, is the one that's coming up Sunday. So through your eyes and, and your experience in covering this stuff, what are they setting up to do? What, what is going to happen on Sunday? I'll just I'll run through it quickly. Alabama with a win is in uh, at number one. Alabama with a loss, that's interesting where they would end up. It uh, depends on what Notre Dame does. Notre Dame and Alabama are in. Notre Dame, you know, short of losing by 50, we'll figure out a way to get them in the top four. 
Uh, and then it gets interesting. Uh, if Clemson wins, they're in. Uh, no worse than three, maybe two, who knows where. Uh, fourth, if, if Ohio State wins, after all of the uh, sound and fury last week, they're going to be in, and there's no debate in the show. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start at 12, and they'll have to drag it out because uh, there won't be any suspense. Now, yeah, if, if Notre Dame loses uh, – if, if, excuse me, if Clemson loses, then that opens the door. Is, does Clemson deserve the right to get in there, Greeny, with two losses to the same team, even though they're the number two team in the country? Does Texas A&M deserve to be in? Uh, you know, Florida will, will move them out with a loss. Uh, does Cincinnati? And, and the most interesting thing you talked about this morning, Iowa State, uh, they position them very well. They'll, they'll beat Oklahoma, which isn't like beating Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield. Uh, this, is, this is a different Oklahoma team. But I can't get past losing – to Louisiana. I realize it was at the beginning of the year, and Louisiana is very good and plays Coastal in a big game this week, but I still have a hard time buying Iowa State uh, in the top four with a win and, and, and some room to run. So my question of the day on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny is, which of these four teams outside the top four right now, which is A&M, Iowa State, Florida, and Cincinnati are the four that I listed – um, which one gets in? in? In your opinion, which if, if 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 one of those big teams falls, if Clemson falls out, if Ohio State falls out, which one gets in? I voted on the Greeny page today, and I, I voted for Texas A&M because <laughs> of exactly how we started this conversation. They're part of the, the blue blood uh, conversation. They're they're they're, they're safe, uh, and and they did beat Florida, which you know is a, you know will end up a top ten, top twelve team. Uh, you know, the Alabama game, you just have to chalk up as going to Alabama. Now, so I think Desmond said it this morning, or somebody said it, nobody really wants to see Alabama play Texas A&M again. True, but that shouldn't be the reason why they don't get in. Uh, you, have, you have to look at them, and they're a very good team, and I think this year is the ultimate eye test year that we've ever had. The metrics, I don't even think they look at the metrics anymore. They don't look at the schedule, uh, and, uh, the schedule uh, awareness, uh, the power ratings. I think they'll look at A&M and say they're, they're good enough to get in there. Okay, fair enough. And then finally, to circle it back to right where I was before I brought you in, you heard what Herbie said. I just played it here. And again, that was Kirk Herbstreet on the show last night saying, if Ohio State is getting the benefit of the doubt, it is because of what they have built up. And Alabama and Clemson would get the same treatment. So a two-part question to finish it, Paul. Do you agree with that? And is that fair? Is it the right thing for the people making these decisions to do? Totally agree. Uh, and Alabama got the benefit a couple of years ago, if you remember, Greeny. Mm-hmm. They didn't win their own division. They got in yep. uh, to the college football playoff over Ohio State. Now, that, that's when it got interesting. But that's just the way these guys roll. Um, and, you know, is it right? No, uh, because you're essentially telling the AAC and, and Coastal and all these other schools, don't bother. I mean, we'll give you your, your perfunctory New Year's Day ball and you'll, so you can get uh, you know, beaten or maybe pull the upside of the century. But you're not part of the big boys club. You're not elite. You're not blue blood. So, so get out of our way. And that's probably, look, that, you're right. That's the way it's been in the sport forever. And until they come up with a system that, that disallows it, it will be that way going forward. Paul Feinbaum, it is always a pleasure. Thank you for jumping in here, my friend. I will see you soon. Thanks, Greeny. Appreciate and it. Paul with me here. And I invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We'll take calls on our second hour today. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. 
Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. All right, much more on the college football as we go. But I did come across something very interesting today that I wanted to share. If you are the parents of a very, very athletic young kid, if you have it in this particular case, it would be a son who seems to be very, very gifted athletically. Come a little closer to your radio or television or phone or however it is that you are listening to me talk and pay attention when I tell you there is only one sport you should be teaching that kid to play. That kid should play one sport and one sport only. And that sport is baseball. I saw a tweet today. I follow this account at SpotRack. Very entertaining uh, or, and an informative Twitter follow. Constantly listing all these contract things and all the rest of it. And this was as a result of Giannis Antetokounmpo's new contract of yesterday. Giannis signed his extension. We talked about it while we were on yesterday. It happened while I was on the air. Giannis signed his extension, which is worth in total $228 million. There are 13 athletes in the United States whose contract is worth more than that. Giannis is worth 228. He has the 14th biggest total contract in all of the sports. Of the 13 players who are in front of him, one of them plays football. That's Patrick Mahomes who was the ultimate outlier with a contract that it says here is worth $450 million, and we know that with certain incentives and things, it could be worth up to half a bill. Patrick Mahomes is number one. The other 12 on the list ahead of Giannis are all Major League Baseball players. Trout, Betts, Harper, Stanton, Cole, Machado, Arenado, Cabrera, Strasburg, Rendon, Cano, Pujols. All baseball players. It's Patrick Mahomes and then 12 baseball players before you get to the highest paid NBA star. It's remarkable. There's a ton of money out there in baseball. So I always used to say, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. Whatever you do, don't do that. But in this case, if financial reward is your ultimate goal, there is no question about it. The sport you want that kid to play is baseball. Greeny with you, inviting you to download the DraftKings app and use my name, Greeny. You'll get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And speaking of DraftKings, you might have an interesting question to ask yourself this week. As you peruse the value of the different quarterbacks, as you try and decide who your quarterback is going to be this week in your DraftKings lineup, You might want to look right past the name Taysom Hill because as the Saints get set to go up against the Chiefs this weekend, up against the best offense in the sport, up against the one person who skews every conversation in Patrick Mahomes, the question that we brought up this morning on TV and I will bring up to you right now is this. If you're Sean Payton, do you go with Jameis Winston this week? Taysom Hill has proved himself to be limited. He's good. He can play quarterback. Good things can happen. But he still feels, as you watch him, much more like a tight end who's capable of being a game manager at the quarterback position, but not capable of elevating. Not someone's going to go out there and throw five touchdowns and match Patrick Mahomes score for score. Jameis Winston was born to do that. He was born to throw six touchdowns in a game, four to his team and two to the other one. 
So the question that you ask yourself, if you're Sean Payton, is in a game that you might figure to lose anyway, what do you do? Do you go with Winston? You roll the dice. He might throw five picks. He just might. Or he might throw five touchdowns and one pick, and you give yourself a chance to beat Mahomes this weekend. Because the one thing I can tell you right now you're not doing is beating Mahomes 23-17. Jalen Hurts just beat the New Orleans defense. Imagine what Patrick Mahomes might do to it. So to me, it's a very interesting question. And it's one that I will ask Moose Johnson as he joins me in just a few minutes here. He's getting set to do the Tampa Bay game, so I want to talk with him about them. I want to talk with him about the Cowboys as well. And the one NFL team that is about to make the biggest mistake of the entire offseason. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's half past the hour. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. The day is getting busier as we speak. A lot I want to get to, but right now I am delighted to welcome to this show for the first time, and it's been a long time since I've had a chance to chat with three-time Super Bowl champ and a terrific analyst at Fox. You see him doing games every weekend. Daryl Moose Johnston is back with me on ESPN Radio. How you been, Moose? I've been good. I've been good. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. It's great to see you, and let's dive right into it because there's so many places to go. Let us start with the game you have this weekend. You have Bucks, Falcons, which means I know you've been looking at Tampa Bay tape. Coming off their game last Sunday, their coach, Bruce Arians, was extremely enthusiastic, if you will, about how well they played. I didn't see it that way, and most of the people <laughs> I've talked to didn't see it. What are you seeing on the tape from Tampa, and what is a reasonable expectation you think for them the next month? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I thought that uh, Minnesota had an opportunity there at the beginning of the game to uh, to really get out to a lead, and they didn't take advantage of that. So um, I think that Tampa Bay was opportunistic, which is something that's always important. Um, I, I think the running game, there's, there's a different philosophy there now. Uh, you, you heard Troy talk about it on the air that – 
that uh, they really felt that Tom was getting hit too much uh, in the passing game. Maybe not sacked, but just taking those quarterback hits. So and you, you lean on your running game a little bit. You know, they've got that good defense. So I think when you look at everything, really what happens is, you know, they started to play good complementary football. So there is reason to be excited for what's coming. Uh, but, yeah, that, that performance itself was was not uh, one of the better ones that they've had during the course of the season. And a lot of it was things that Minnesota was not doing in the tough, the tough day that Dan Bailey had. And reasonably speaking, when you say excited about what's coming, in a year in which they've put so many new pieces together and there was no preseason and there was the truncated, you know, training camp and all the other things that they've done. When you say things to come, are you looking to next year or do you think they can put it together quickly enough to make a legit run this year in the playoffs? Well, I, I think they can get into the playoffs, and then they, obviously they've got the talent. They've got uh, you know a, a coach uh, who, who's going to have them ready to play. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians and the offense will be will be uh, will be ready to play. Uh, you've got Tom Brady with all his experience. Uh, I, I think you're, you're, the point that you're making is is the most important one because of the way the offseason was. Uh, they just haven't had the opportunity to really kind of dig into the depth of this offense and the transition. You know, from what Tom was doing at New England for all those years to what Bruce Arians is asking him to do down in Tampa. So th- that was something that they brought up to us when we had earlier in the year um, that, you know, we really miss the fact that Tom didn't have that opportunity in the offseason, you know, to really understand the subtleties and the nuances of the offense. I think we look at young guys. And we automatically think that, yeah, they, they missed out on a, on a traditional offseason. But anybody that's making that change and going from one system to another, especially one that's been in a system or a culture for 20 years and is moving to a different one, is, is going to have an adjustment period. So I think that they've, they've kind of navigated this through the entire season. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what level of play are they at as they go into the playoffs? Could they be one of those teams that is playing their best football, which everybody wants to do right as you get into the playoffs? Because if you look at the talent, that is on this team, uh, on the outside, all the weapons that Tom Brady has. Uh, we've seen uh, Ronald Jones and their ability to run the football, you know, the last couple of games, which is impressive. Uh, defensively, uh, defensively, they are they are an extremely talented team. So all the pieces are in place. They just haven't come together. And I think if you were to ask Tom Brady or Bruce Arians, have you guys played your best game? Yet this season, I think both of them would say not yet. We're, we're not even close. Daryl Johnston with me on ESPN Radio. So let's get now to the game you had last week. You had the best game of the weekend, I thought, with the Eagles and the Saints. And we all saw what Jalen Hurts was able to do. What we didn't see, and, and, and I don't know, in this day and age, I don't know how much you guys, how much time you get to spend with the teams the way you normally would when you do a broadcast. But, but what sense do you have of where Carson Wentz is right now in his head with that franchise and what his future looks like in Philly? Gosh, I wish I had an answer for you, Mike. Um, you know, that's the million-dollar question, and I think it's the most important one that, that the organization has to answer in Philadelphia. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about as a group as we gathered all the information got ready to do the game was, is, is the 2017 version of Carson Wentz when he's on the cusp of a, of a league MVP – the player that you're going to have coming back, uh, is it the Carson Wentz from 2020 that seems to have regressed and has really struggled? And, and there's reasons why. I mean, that offensive line has been in shambles all season long. Uh, he struggled. Uh, well, he hasn't struggled. The guys on the outside have struggled to get open for him. Um, you know, the running game uh, has not been committed to at times uh, in the play calling element. So there's been a lot of things that have challenged Carson Wentz in 2020. Uh, but there's also some areas where, you know, the decision making, holding the football, uh, understanding when the play is over, when the play is over, escaping out the back instead of climbing up into the pocket. Uh, it just it doesn't look like him from 2017. So those are your extremes. 
And then if you go to 2018 and 2019, there, there's kind of a, a mixed bag of his performances through there. Uh, who is the Carson Wentz that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have in 2021? And, and I think that that's the big evaluation that has to happen for the Philadelphia Eagles organization as they get ready to move forward. Darrell Johnson with me here on ESPN Radio. Let me go to your old team, the Cowboys. He won three championships there playing for Jerry Jones. And, and I hear two schools of thought now uh, as they finish up what's obviously been a really disappointing season. One of them is, and it seems to be coming, I think, from Jerry, is – we're going to basically bring this group back. We'll bring Dak back. We'll bring Mike McCarthy back. We'll get people healthy. This year was sort of a, um, a perfect storm of bad circumstances, and we're going to be really good next year. I've got other people telling me they need to blow it up. They, they just need to kind of start over again because with their contracts and everything else they have, um, they're, not, they're not as close as they may think they are. What is your perception of where the Cowboys are and what they should do going forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably lean a little bit more towards, uh, you know, having the faith that you've got the right pieces in place uh, and, and looking at uh, 2020 as an outlier uh, and, and not blowing up the entire thing. Um, similar to what has happened, you know, with, with Philadelphia and some of the other teams around the league, the offensive line uh, for the Dallas Cowboys is really the key thing that happened. Now, Dak Prescott was able to keep them competitive until he got hurt. And, and now you're talking about, you know, 60% of, a, of an all-pro offensive line is, is different as the season starts. Uh, your, your quarterback who is keeping you competitive is, is lost for the year. The big thing to me was the defensive side of the ball. And one of the things that we've talked about and we've seen all season long here in 2020 is the inability of teams to play complementary football. You know, in the early part of the season, you know, the offense was holding up their end of the bargain. And the defense wasn't. The games were close, but they were high scoring. Uh, once Dak Prescott went out of the lineup, the defense really had to step up their play because they knew that there was going to be a drop off in the production and they weren't able to do that. So I think, you know, the, the biggest the biggest misses for the Cowboys this season was was maybe uh, the reliance on some some very good defensive linemen that they brought in in free agency that were towards the tail end of their career. Uh, and I think that there was a lot of uh, a lot of hope placed in them. And I don't think they performed at the level that they anticipated it. When you talk about Don Terry Poe and Everson Griffin and Gerald McCoy, you know, what did you really get from those three guys? When you see that on paper and you see that defensive line, you know, as a roster, it looks good. Uh, but the performance didn't match what they had done earlier in their career. So I, I think they got off to a tough start there. There's been a huge adjustment as they've gone from a Rod Marinelli single gap penetrating style defense uh, to a little bit of the more multiple uh, you know, two gap style that Mike Nolan employs, uh, you know, kind of moving from a four, three to a three, four uh, there. Some of the guys there had a, had a lot of troubles, uh, you know, making that adjustment. So a lot of that goes to the defensive side of the ball and then special teams, you know, Greg Zerline has been up and down again. Uh, they've had flashes where they've been a, a key part of, of earning a victory. Uh, and then there's other times where they cost them victories. So it's kind of across the board, all three phases. So I can see why people think that maybe we need to blow this up. But if you really look at it, I think they're a lot closer in certain areas that, than people w would think they are. And, and if they have a traditional offseason to get ready for the 2021 season, uh, I think you'll see that gap, uh, you know, kind of narrow down quite a bit. All right. We'll be watching for that again. Bucks Falcons is Moose's game this weekend. It's in the one o'clock window on Fox. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you very much. This was fun. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for being on. Yeah, you got it. Anytime, Mike. Thanks. Take care. That's Daryl Johnston. I enjoy him doing games, and that was a fun conversation to have. I could have done another hour with him. There's so many things to get to. There is also a significant story that is developing in the NFL right now about which I have very strong feelings. Greeny, the podcast. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny with you from the seaport in New York City and a reminder that while I wish you could spend two hours with me every single day, it would be a delight if you could. You've got a life. So if you ever miss anything on the program, we're a podcast every single day. They take each hour of the show. It becomes its own podcast. The name is Hashtag Greeny, and you can find it anywhere that you find your podcasts. My friend Hashtag Bubba does a very nice job working hard on those. All right, this story is just coming along here, and I'm going to make this Straight Talk, which is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And it is being reported by our Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen. I will read it to you verbatim. ESPN Monday Night Football analyst Lewis Riddick is interviewing today for the Houston Texans general manager job. Sources tell Mort and Schefter and is scheduled to interview Friday for the Lions general manager job. So I've known Lewis Riddick now, obviously, for years. Um, He started out coming on Mike and Mike regularly whenever it was that he first came to ESPN. It's got to be something in the neighborhood of eight or nine years ago. Um, and he has been a mainstay on my new show, Get Up, for a long time, and he and I have had the opportunity to spend some time together over the course of time on the road, Super Bowls, and whatever the case may be. I feel like I know Lewis pretty well, and I will tell you that the departure of Lewis Riddick from ESPN would be a tough loss for us. He's an excellent analyst. He does a great job on Monday Night Football. I love having him on our show and everything else, But I've never rooted for anything the way I'm rooting for Lewis to get one of these jobs because I know in his soul that's what he wants. He wants to be an NFL general manager. And he deserves it. He deserves the opportunity. He's had some um, near misses in the past. And I'll just tell you, knowing him as I do, that whatever team hires him, that fan base, you should throw a party that day. Throw a socially distanced, responsible party. You should be freaking hysterically happy. Lewis Riddick is as passionate, determined, and into this, into football, as anyone I've ever met. You know how serious-minded he is? You just spend five minutes with him, but he's incredibly smart, organized. He's just a great guy and will do a great job. And so, you know, um, my team isn't looking for a general manager. If, If they were, I would be beating the drum as loudly as I can. So Houston, if you get him, you should celebrate. Detroit, if you get him, you should celebrate. And if someone else does, you should celebrate. Lewis Riddick, if and when he ever does get that opportunity, is going to do a great job as someone's general manager. In the interim, he will continue to do a great job analyzing football for us. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Next order of business. I thought this was interesting. 
on TV this morning. We were talking about Jerry Jones. I played you the soundbite yesterday here on this show in his regular weekly appearance on, on radio in Dallas saying that it is preposterous to even consider that Mike McCarthy would not be back as coach next year. And, of course, Jerry gets to make that decision. It's his team. He is the owner and the general manager. But Dominique Foxworth pointed out something I thought on Get Up that was worth considering today. Dak Prescott really should have some say in this decision because they decided not to extend Dak Prescott and give him a big contract. They franchise tagged him. So now Dak is in a position where he could choose to leave or go somewhere else or potentially pressure a trade or wait till it gets to a free agency. That was a mistake. But that gives him so much power in this situation that I think he has to be on board for whatever coach they keep or decide to bring in. So if I was Jerry Jones, rather than going on the radio, I would go to Dak Prescott's house and and try to convince him that this is the right move or find out what he thinks the right move is at this time. It will be interesting. The idea that Jerry is going to consult Dak, I think, look, I don't know the inner workings of that situation, but I would not expect that to happen. And Dak doesn't have to say a word because he can do it with his actions. He either believes in what they're doing there or he doesn't. If he doesn't believe in it, that could just be another log on the fire of all the people saying, Dak Prescott should want out of there. You heard Marcus Spears say it on NFL Live last week. He came on this show and said it again. We've had multiple people say that on now all of a sudden. That is starting to become a more commonplace perspective, that Dak should want out of there. Cowboys aren't going anywhere good fast. I am of the opinion, you just heard Daryl Johnston disagree, and that's fine. He has a different take on it, and and and, and as well he should, or, or whatever his opinion is, he's entitled to it. Obviously, he knows a lot about it. But it is my opinion from the relative distance at which I sit that the Cowboys should blow it up, hit the plunger. And that means figuring out a way to maximize the value of your assets and start all over again. And your biggest asset is Dak Prescott and the colossal mistake that you made in not having him under contract long term, which will greatly limit the value of him in any kind of trade scenario. But the Dallas Cowboys aren't getting good fast. They're just not. That, that, that whole thing doesn't work. You need to remake that entire defense. You need to figure out what you're going to do about Zeke's contract. Zeke Elliott will be the highest paid running back in the NFL next year. How's that look right now? You got all this capital um, invested in wide receivers. Having three good, like three top level wide receivers on a team that is four and nine is like having super expensive rims on a car that has no engine. Like it's, it is as big a waste as you can possibly have. There's no point in having C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper on a team that has four wins, on a team whose defense can't stop anybody, and whose offense has been bad. That offense is 21st in the sport this year. 21st. They have the highest paid backup, or one of the highest paid backups, and certainly one of the, the, if not the most experienced backup quarterback in the league. When Dak went down, it was devastating, but it shouldn't have ended their season. Andy Dalton was as ready to step in and play decent football as any backup in the sport could possibly be. Shouldn't have killed your season. They've had a million other things happen. So I don't believe the Cowboys are close. But one way or another, Dak Prescott should have and will in his own way have a say in what the future looks like there. And if the decision is going to be McCarthy, you'll know what Dak Prescott thinks of it whether he says anything about it or not. Damian Woody will join me as we continue, and I will tell you once again why last night was officially the day that one of our favorite sports turned into gymnastics. That's next. 
Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.